This is a Hoff Studios podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Roxana Baldovin in the house. What's up, babe? Hi, gorgeous. The queen Hi, of beautiful. reinvention. I feel so grateful to be on your podcast today. How long have you been talking about this? Your podcast? Yes, over a and, year. in this interview, at least over a year. So we're yes. finally here. So wait, okay. let's get, where are you? Give us some context. You're traveling, you're in another country, yeah. you're at someone's um, house. I'm currently at my parents' house in Poland in Warsaw. Gorgeous. And why are you in Poland? And why does your mom live in Poland? Your, your parents? Uh, I'm in Poland because I missed two flights out of Egypt (laughs) and same time zone as Egypt. And so I figured it would make sense to visit my parents. There was a reason. So my parents live in Poland because they are Polish. Uh, My mother grew up here um, they're about to have a party in this house. I might need to move. If if I do, I apologize. It's a little hectic. It's not exciting when you're on a podcast to have a party. But I don't think my mother understands the concept of what a podcast is. She's like, show them around. Show them the party. Oh, my God. She's so cute. Oh, I love Lorena. It's amazing. So, okay, to, to backtrack, you are a music video director. You are Aquarius, sea-dwelling, world traveler. You are AKA Senora Directora, which you can say is so much better than I can. And um, also known as the Spiritual Spielberg, right? Yes, the Spiritual Spielberg is my new thing. I love that. I think we might have come up with that in one of our sessions. I don't remember. I mean, even if it didn't <clears throat> come up in the session, it was through the work we've done that I even got to the place for sure. Like I remember the bright light moment. I was like, oh my God, spiritual Spielberg. I have to tell Danielle. That's awesome. Yeah. We've worked together. Like I think it's been over a year now. It's definitely yeah, been over almost, a year, like a year and a half. Yeah. You're like my little sister and you always say I'm like your big sister, but like really, truly, like you remind me of who I was at your age and like on the exterior, probably you wouldn't think that about her and I like, but it's the values and our beliefs and the way we view the world. And so it's just been so fun working with you. Yes, Um, I feel on the exterior also. We both are like colored tattooed freaks. That's true. This is true. I don't know anyone else that has as many colored tattoos as me. Did you get the, did you get the hip tattoo? I did get the hip tattoo. What is it again? Um, It's my goddess. It's Hathor. She's the goddess of love, beauty, joy, music, fertility too. Uh, So basically I was in Egypt for the last three weeks. I was on a breathwork meditation retreat um, hosted by our good friend, Johnny Longinidis. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. (laughs) But it was like a crazy spiritual experience. um, And the first couple of days we went to this, um, the first couple of days of our trip, we went to this man 
who um, he's worked in oils, essential oils for over 200 years. He knows not him, his family (laughs) has worked in essential oils for over 200 years. And, um, you know, they know he knows every single perfume scent ever. He can make it with his oils. And so he gave all the women on the trip a goddess that represents them. And so my goddess was Hathor. And we went to Hathor's temple when we were in Egypt. Hathor's color is blue. And, you know, I'm like a blue goddess fairy anyways. So I feel very connected to Hathor. Um, And so actually the tattoo that I got, um, I knew the minute he told me I was Hathor, I was like, oh, I'm getting a Hathor tattoo. I just like knew it. But this I is the part. I- this is the part where not skinny, not fat calls says like tattoo people will get ever- anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like the goddess in Egypt. Come on, now. come on, <laughs> sexy. Um, so originally, I thought I was gonna get like the basic Hathor that we've been seeing in all the temples, and then the tat- I actually got tattooed by a woman. Woman, she's the only woman in Egypt, or like in this. We were in Dahab, which is like the Red Sea. She's the only woman in Dahab with a tattoo parlor. So it was like, of course kids. you did. Wow. Right. And so she actually drew Hathor in my image the way she saw me, and so because she was like everybody gets a Hathor tattoo. Because to her, it's like so basic. Everyone in, everyone in Egypt will get a Hathor tattoo. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I love my tattoo um, because it's me. So That's incredible. Yes. So what is it like being a music video director? Like, can we let people in on it? Because I think that like I've learned so much from you from behind the scenes of not just the industry, but like actually what you experience. Like, what is it like actually wielding that power and that creativity, but also the struggles of the industry and what it's actually like to be a woman in the industry and also extremely creative on extremely tight budgets and timelines? Yeah, a lot of heavy hitting questions you just asked me. So I know. being a music video director is really fun. Um, I feel like there's a lot of freedom in my job. We call it the wild, wild west of filmmaking because like anything goes, you know, like you could get as crazy and creative as you want. So I feel like it's like a really good film school starting in music videos because, you know, you're able to let your imagination run wild and you also still get budgets for it. You know, like we complain about our budgets all the time in music mm-hmm. videos, but you know, we're still blessed to be getting something to be making our art. So being a music video director, I mean, there's definitely like, you know, every set is different. I feel like if you're not into change and you're not into like adaptability and moving quick on your feet, it's probably not the job for you. Mm-hmm. I need the change. I need everything I do to be different all the time. So for me, it's like, feels like the perfect job. Like, and I fell into it. I didn't even know that I was going to end up doing this. I had no plans to be a music video director. How did but- that happen? How did it happen? Uh, I grew up in Brooklyn where there was a lot of, uh, you know, emerging artists at the time. And I went to school for broadcast journalism. Um, My broadcast journalism teachers were constantly telling me that I was too creative to do journalism because I would like be playing with all the crazy effects and like making all my news stories trippy. And they were like, yo, you need to be doing something more creative than this. So, yeah, there were rappers in Brooklyn, shout out Underachievers, who needed music videos. And I just started doing like all their videos. And then it kind of just... you know, domino affected from there, I guess. That's incredible. So what is it like getting back to that question? What's it like being a woman in this industry? Um, it's interesting. It's interesting because, you know, I'm someone who has always felt comfortable in my body, comfortable in my sexuality. I feel 
very much like the divine feminine, which is actually something that my goddess Hathor is. Hathor is like divine feminine embodied. And so um, I feel like as a music video director or like any woman in a position of power, they're always telling you, you know, to play small kind of, or like to like, Mm -hmm. you know, not sexualize yourself, but like the way I'm built, I'm already sexualized. Like I can walk out with nothing, but like a bag over me and people are still going to see the shape of my hips underneath, you know, like that Mm -hmm. was something that happened to me on repeat when I was in Egypt. Um, you know, they kept on following me around, calling me Shakira. Oh my God. I saw Um, that. I actually had a big awakening in Egypt and I'm going back to your question. But I had a big awakening in Egypt because, um, you know, what we define as modesty is to them like radical, like showing off your body. You know, Mm -hmm. like I was walking down the street and I had like a little bit of my stomach showing and they were like, she's naked, you know. Um, So basically going back to what it's like to be a woman in the industry, um, you know, I feel like a lot of in the beginning of my career, there was a lot of like, um, you know, you have to tone yourself down, da, da, da. And it's like, this is my fucking world. I just built this set out of my imagination. I brought this team together. Why can't I look good, match the set, take some fire ass photos while my camera team is like putting together the camera, you know? Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, which is what you're known for. You're known to match your sets, to match the vibe of the artist and for your behind the scenes videos on YouTube and on Insta, as well as you have your own photographer generally on hand for your BTS and you get photos of on every set. So proud of you for this. Thank you, babe. I really honor that. In the beginning, there was a lot of like, you know, label heads rolling their eyes at me or like, just as if like trying to make me feel like I wasn't like, it wasn't my place, but I feel like it is my place. Like, you it's literally the place you, you built. Another, you go to another director if you don't want someone to be proud of what they're putting together, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but there was a lot of hurdles because I don't feel like men have to deal with that as much. Yeah. You know, I guess like when a man puts out a BTS video, it's not as scrutinized as, mm-hmm. as a woman director. I mean, and this goes like, I think you hit it on the head. Cause like, it's really not about being a woman in the industry. It's like about being a woman in this world, especially Period. what yeah. you just experienced culturally in Egypt. It's like, you're, you're still a, f- a female and in, in a female shape that has sexual body parts. And I love what you said the other day on, um, that podcast, like what the fuck is free the nipple? Like we all have nipples. It's like so right. stupid, but, um, and I think you you called me one day and you were like, you had a see-through shirt on and you were going to set and you were like, my friend just said that I can't wear this to set. Like, is this inappropriate? And, you know, part of me wanted to be like, yes, be professional, Roxana. And like the other part of me was like, which is the part I answered to. And I was like, no, this is part of your personal fucking brand. This is a value exactly. system. It's a belief that you have that you want to change the world's perspective rocket. And also like on set, it would not be professional for anybody to be looking at your nipples anyways. Like they shouldn't exactly. be looking at them. Exactly. Um, yeah. Like even like, I don't really wear bras ever. Um, I got that from my mother. <laughs> and so I didn't even realize, like I'm thinking I'm conservative in Egypt. I'm trying so hard. I swear to you. I like really tried so hard to like be modest in Egypt. And every fucking day there was an issue with my wardrobe. And it reminded me of high school because I got suspended Mm. in high school for like wearing too tight of leggings and like all this shit. And it's like, 
it was just like flashbacks. Like I actually cried. I had a moment in Egypt where I was crying because I was like, I'm not being accepted for who I am and being ridiculed for who I am. Mm-hmm. Like it was a lot of like growing pains over there. But one of the things was like, I wasn't wearing um, a bra and they were like, oh, her whole tits are out. But like, you couldn't see my tits. I was wearing a loose thing, but they could still tell you're not wearing a bra. So you're still not being modest, you know? Incredible. Yeah. So what? yeah, perspective is crazy. The minute I walked off the plane and was like in a environment where it wasn't like 80% women like with their heads covered and their hair covered, it was like almost like a reverse culture shock. Like, whoa, you know? Yeah. So your mom, she doesn't wear a bra. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) She's in the background like, why are you saying this on a podcast? Of course she is, but she doesn't know what a podcast is. So it's okay. Exactly. It's fine. (laughs) So your mom is an artist, right? Did Did she pass down those creative genes? Oh, for sure. I mean, like when I was younger, like she would teach me and all my friends Photoshop. I remember like we would like sit on the bay, like by my house and like uh, draw the pigeons and the seagulls and stuff. So, so cute. yeah, your mom's a, a professional photographer, right? She's a professional photographer. She actually just got news that a big exhibit um, is going to happen wow. for her. So I'm really That's proud incredible. of her. Um, but yeah, how, none of that. Yes. How old ask. is she? How old is she? My mother is 68. It's incredible. Um, She's and- my idol. seriously age does not define you that's what you need to take away from that yeah no it's crazy because my mom didn't really start her professional photography career until she was 60 like pretty much like I came home from college I didn't even remember this she's the one that tells the story all the time but I came back from college and she showed me like all the work that she was doing on her computer and it was just like personal like hobby work this is why I hate the word hobby I don't Mm -hmm. have hobbies I hate the word hobby because like anything can be like, and maybe that's also an issue that I'm like, oh, you can monetize anything. (laughs) But like, like, you know, like just because you're like, just when, if you're good at something creative, it doesn't mean that it's a hobby. You can actually make Mm -hmm. something out of it. So she showed me all her work on her computer and I was like, what are you doing sitting on all this gold? Are you crazy? And so from that, like, I guess I gave her like the belief to believe in herself because she had, she had all the connections. Like that was not the issue. She, she knew all the people. She just like didn't know how to show it to them, I guess, or like, you know, say, hey, this is me. Um, And then I guess I gave her that confidence. But I feel like a lot of people have that issue. Like they might have the network and they don't even realize (laughs) who's in their network Um, and they want to downplay themselves. Yeah. You know, but it's about, you know, be your own Kanye. Always. Always. I remember you were like, how Kanye should I be? I was like, all the way, (laughs) all the way right now. Always, always delusional as fuck, as Russ would say. We have to be delusional. You have to be. I don't like people that are realistic. Yeah. You know, what is, so what do you want people to know about manifesting, creating their dream life, going after their dreams? That anything you want is possible really. Um, in terms of like, but it's not like, Oh, let me just like close my eyes and it's going to happen. Like it's obviously like you have to consciously work at it every day. Like when I was in Egypt for three weeks and even like the fact that I'm able to fly to Poland instead of like just going back home, like I feel so blessed that I was able to create that for myself. And like, obviously I'm not exactly where I want to be at all. Like there's like a lot of, you know, there's still a lot of growth for me as well professionally, but I'm at least like on the path of I'm able to create my own life. And so 
I feel like when you, we're all just another Russ quote, get out of your own head. Like we're all like in our own head, you know, like we all think that, you know, I don't know. I've never been this way. I kind of knew when I graduated, even when I was in college, I worked really hard to uh, teach myself these like creative skills, like Photoshop and Premiere and all the, and like write scripts and all this stuff, because I knew that there was no way I was going to get out of college and work a nine to five. That was just like, not what I wanted to do at all. And when I was 23 was when I was able to like fully go towards video and photo stuff. But there's always a way. Basically, I just think that whatever you want to do, there's always a way to do it. And just catch yourself telling yourself the excuses like, oh, but I have to do this. Well, why can't you do this another way? You know, like, like anytime you hear yourself justifying your reasons for not doing it, knowing, knowing that you are the only person getting in your way, because there is a possible world in which you can live exactly how you want to live, you know? Mm hmm. And I think it hits on, like, I think that thinking hits on creativity, right? Like knowing like, okay, this way didn't work. Let me try this way. Let me try this way. And having that tenacity and that persistence to keep on seeing what's possible, but through different avenues. And I think that, I mean, that's what entrepreneurship is. That's what creativity is, right? It's like adjusting the variables, adjusting the temperatures exactly. and seeing what works, but not saying it didn't work the first time or the second time or the third time this way, but realizing that there might be another possible way, but we're all inherently super fucking creative. So we all inherently have that skill set. And it's literally us, our belief systems and our past experiences stopping us from executing on those ideas. Totally. Really. totally. Like, um, I mean, that's another thing that I feel like music videos gave me. Well, I mean, I think any creative industry would give this to you, but like, I've been rejected more times than I can count, like hundreds of times. Probably have I like not gotten a job, you know? And so at this point it's like, Oh, you don't get it. Whatever, you know, like no skin off my back. It wasn't meant for me, but I feel like that's the same applying that same lesson of like, you know, giving it your all, but sometimes you're not going to get it applying that same lesson to life as well, you know? Yeah. And that's the paradox in manifestation and the process. It's like actually believing that you deserve it and you can have it, but letting go of the timeline of how you're going to achieve it and what it looks like. And so really it's about recognizing your worth and your desire and what it is that you, that you want more of the feeling because it might come in another way, shape or form and in a totally different timeline. I mean, we can use your mom as an example, like having her a huge show at 68 years old. It's like, why are we so concerned with timelines of like, by the time you're 30 X, Y, Z, by the time you're 40 X, Y, Z. Right. Like I just turned 30 this year and that's crazy. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it at all. You made it it's through your Saturn return though. Well, I'm still in my Saturn return. Saturn return. Ends oh yeah, at 30. yeah, that's right. But, um, but the, yeah, the Saturn return is real crazy, you know? Um, and yeah, I mean, I definitely thought that I was going to be elsewhere at 30, but I'm also at the same time, like, oh, I'm exactly where I'm meant to be at 30, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's like in the beginning, I turned 35 months ago now. So in the beginning of turning 30, it was like, I was freaking out as a lot of people Why? do. It's like, it's either people are really ready or they're like, not ready at all. Like I was in Egypt with a girl that turned it's 31. So she was like, Oh, I was telling everyone I was 30 when I was 29. Cause I was just so ready to be 30. And I'm like, Oh, I was saying I was 29 until the day before I turned. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess it's like one, like, you know, I work in a younger industry. 
Um, so, you know, I work with a lot of younger people. Uh, I feel like that probably has something to do with it. And I'm just like a young spirit, mm-hmm. I guess. And, you know, I can very you know, much relate. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're my, you're my big sis. So I want to be 28 forever. It was my favorite year. I will admit it. I'm happy to be my age. I'm 37. And simultaneously, I feel 28. And when I look in the mirror or I look around and I'm not, it kind of, you know, it's a little jarring. Yeah, exactly. It's like, wait, there's people exist that are younger than me. How is that possible? Um, The youth. Yeah, literally. But, but like a month ago, I got into this mindset of like, oh my God, I'm only 30. I'm so young. I'm like a baby. so young. You are. I'm a baby because I think about how much I've done since I've been 20. And yeah. so then like now I'm in this position, like where I'm going to magnify that times a hundred in my thirties, I feel like, you know, cause also I feel like now, like I didn't realize it when I was younger, how like fucking depressed I was or just like mm. anxious and stressed out all the time because like, you know, you're so like wanting to make something of yourself by a certain time. And so now I just feel like there's like less pressure because I just have this like knowing mm-hmm. like I'm way more just like okay, well, the jobs that are meant for me are going to be meant for me. And if it's not meant for me, it won't be me. And I won't even waste my time, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you built inner trust and inner peace surrounding timelines. And I think that's, I mean, I wouldn't say that's something that only comes with age because some people figure it out earlier than others. Mm -hmm. You know, like I I have a friend that's 20 years old, actually, shout out Melalopes. I'm wearing her eyeshadow right now. This girl's 20 years old with her own makeup company, like talking about how she wants to buy a house, but she can't because she's too young. And I'm I just know. like, yo, at 20 years old to be like, I want to buy, I I can buy a house, but the government won't let me because I'm not old enough. Like that's fucking amazing. Amazing. Like how much are you going to do in 10 years? You know? But the crazy thing is, is like, I really believe like we all come from a different trajectory, right? Like, so like, we're all placed in these different variables, these different circumstances, different traumas and different, you know, just life experiences. And so the growth for her is not going to be in the same area that the growth for you is in and vice versa. And for anybody else, you know, like I really believe that we're here as a soul contract or a reincarnation or a karmic pattern, you know, and maybe it's like not even as like philosophical as that. We're just like a fucking vibration that's mirroring off the quantum field. I don't know, but I think it's all of the above. It's all of the above, you know, but like we're here and meant to experience certain things. And so the complications that arise during the process of like wanting to desire or like desiring something and not being able to achieve it, like that growth process, which is your trajectory, your own personal unique one is going to look different for like wherever you stand for whatever your life circumstances totally. are. And that's like the I purpose, right? Yeah. I definitely believe in um soul contracts and karmic, like, you know, fulfilling your karmic duty. I mm-hmm. definitely believe in that. I mean, I believe in us being like little vibrations as well, like you said, but mm-hmm. have you seen the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once? No. Okay. Well, you must see it. Have you heard of it? Mm-mm. Okay. It uh, sounds familiar, but I don't know any okay, context about to, it. You like must see it. Like Done. ASAP. Go on a movie date. So Everything Everywhere All at Once is actually um, directed by these music video directors who I've been following their career. I love them because... They um they put together a music video director union um, because, you know, music video directors are just not given the same respect that other directors are given. Um, but anyway, so this is their second feature film. And like the way it's made, 
only music video directors could make this fucking movie. I swear to you, because um, it's a first generation story um, of like this Chinese American family. Really, the mom is the superhero in it, kind of. But like they own a laundromat and basically the story, like they hack into the multiverse. And so it's like, you know, all the different timelines and like how one decision affects, you know, can affect your whole life basically. And so we see how like, we see basically like this woman, not only this woman, her daughter, her, her husband, like we see this family, like in like 12 different timelines of like what could have and like they need to save the whole multiverse because it's fucking incredible you have to go see it it's the best movie of all time i'm not even exaggerating it reminds me of the concept of the butterfly effect like one little tiny decision but illustrated probably so much better because it's done by music video directors every and like because it's like goofy and poignant but like then it's like you know kind of a love story between the parents it was like you never walk into the laundromat and think like okay, these owners emigrated here from China together. What's their story? You mm-hmm. never think about that. Like, and so mm-hmm. like that was what opened my eyes when I saw that movie. I'm like, wow, you know, because um, it was cool because at first you think that the daughter is going to be like the main character. And of course she is. But like it was really the mom that was like yeah. the 60 year old mother was the one that was like saving the fucking world. Um, and what does that what does that mean to you to be a first generation? Because I because that really resonates with you and. Oh, yeah. Um, Well, I think that, you know, as a first generation American uh, or first generation anything, uh, you you kind of have a soul contract to live up to because like you're the first year, you know, your family sacrificed so much to come to the country. And, you know, it's kind of like and this is why I feel like, you know, so many of us are like so hardworking either towards the safe path so that like our parents will be proud of us or they're like, um, or it's like me where it's like, no, I believe in myself so much. This is exactly why my parents came to America to give me the opportunity to do what I want to do. And yeah, like, like for, I don't feel like first generation Americans ever like slack off really. So we have just um, a few minutes left. What is it that you want to leave people with that you feel like, yeah, what do you want to leave people with? And what does rebellious reinvention mean to you? Rebellious reinvention to me means that we are able to shift ourselves in any which way we want at any given time. Kind of like this movie that I was just telling you about in terms of like, you know, like in one life, she's a Kung Fu fighter and the next life she owns a laundromat. Um, and, you know, we, we have all those qualities within us. You know what I mean? Like one day you can be a Kung Fu fighter and then the next day you can own a laundromat and that's still all going to be us, you know? Um, and so I feel like I'm a reflector in human design. And so as a reflector, I'm 1% of the world and a reflector is someone who's known to be a chameleon in that way, who's known to constantly reinvent themselves, you know, and like constantly be evolving and growing. And so, yeah, I feel like it's interesting because to me, rebellious reinvention is like always having that like same core, but like Mm -hmm. being able to like, you know whip around the parts of it in different ways, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I love that. So yeah, I think that everyone is always capable to rebelliously reinvent themselves. Um, I actually encourage people to rebelliously reinvent themselves. Like there's no growth in stagnation. Stagnation is stale. Mold grows there. You know, we don't want that. Mm -mm. So I like to grow. Tree grows in Brooklyn, you know. 
So speaking of growth, I want to ask you one last question. What is spiritual Spielberg mean? And where do you want to take it? Like, what do you see in the next 10 years, 20 years for yourself? Um, within the next 10 years, I see myself making several feature films, being a showrunner. Um, uh, yeah, I see my life drastically changing in the next few years, but in the next 10 years, like definitely like red carpets, awards, like way more of my own personal stories as opposed to like, you know, the music video route. Um, cause I am taking that more seriously now. Um, in 20 years, I'd like to have a theme park. Um, why Why do I want a theme park I'm Mm -hmm. super big it's crazy because I didn't realize that this is like a superpower I think that you were a part of this too but like um I love to have fun and I love to be joyful and I love to go on adventures and I just think that fun is such an important aspect of life um and a lot of people don't a lot of people look down on having fun a lot of people I feel like feel like shame in having fun or or like if they're having fun, they're like not being productive or something, but like there's so much positivity in play. And I feel like the more you play, the happier you are, the happier you are, the better your life, the better you are at work. Da, 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 da. So, well, and it's integrating. Why I want to make Sorry, yes, I wanna... it's integrating no. what? No, no, it's, it's in- integrating your inner child. And the more integration you have with that inner child and love and respect, and like you're bringing that inner child along with you, the more you know, you can really fulfill your life as an adult and you feel content and happy and can pursue your, pursue your dreams without worry and without the self-sabotage and limiting beliefs. Exactly. I feel like the most successful people I know, the most successful people I know are people that have never let go of their inner child, you know, and like use their inner child towards their work in some capacity. Um, cause you know, that's what makes us happiest and happiness is how we thrive. I feel So the reason I want to make a theme park is because I learned a lot from Disney World growing up. We're not just Disney, but like Disney definitely is like the top one, I would say. Um, And so I feel like I have a lot I could teach kids from rides as well. Um, But it's going to be an adult theme park as well. So we can take psychedelics? Oh, my God. We absolutely (laughs) can. theme park. And if you haven't done psychedelics at Disneyland yet... Anyone that has access to Disney World or Disneyland, go do it. Universal Studios is not as fun. I would skip that one. Just do Disney. I haven't done Disney on psychedelics. I mean, I might heard, but that doesn't really count. You know, it doesn't count. No, it's not the same. Um, And lastly, what, why do you love psychedelics? And like, what has been your experience? Why do you love psychedelics? (laughs) It's a really silly question. Why do you love them? Um, no, but like, why I, do you, how do they, how do they impact your life? Like what, why do you psych, like in your perspective, why do psychedelics and having that mystical experience, whether it's with a shaman or in an amusement park, like how does that shift your life perspective and experience? Um, well, psychedelics literally expand our consciousness and they give us like, you know, it's the doors of perception. Like they give us like a different, we see things on psychedelics that we're not able to see normally, you know, and there's many, many, many reasons for that. Um, you know, I'm, I don't claim to be a scientist. I just know that like, you know, our inhibit, like we're less inhibited when we're in psychedelics. So we're more open to like, you know, communicating with other people more openly and freely. Right. And then also like, we're able to see all the patterns of the universe on psychedelics too. It's insane. And 
and how we are one with the universe as well. Like what's our place in the universe, you know? And so every time I do psychedelics, even if I'm doing, I mean, I came on my fucking idea for an amusement park when I was in acid on in Disneyland on acid. So it's like, to me, I don't know if I'm just a psychopath who's like always shifting my brain of work, but I feel like whenever I do psychedelics, like it's not like, Oh, let me just go trip in the forest. It's like, I'm always learning something from a trip, you know, or I'm always bringing something back into the real world. Um, like even that's just why they now. call it a trip. You like go out there, you discover exactly. things. And when you come back from your trip, you're changed. And the same goes for when you get on an airplane and go somewhere. Like we all are changed after we travel. Like we all have these experiences of awakening just by getting on an airplane and going to like Cabo. So yeah, literally, it doesn't matter where you go. Take a trip to the universe and come back and see what you're going to bring back. Yeah. As Drake says, have you trip and no luggage? <laughs> so yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I took some of the super mushrooms in um, Egypt. I was stuck in the middle of a sandstorm. Um, the lights were out. There was a power outage, you know, but all you could hear is like the like vroom, vroom, vroom of like natural earth. It was insane. Um, wow. Yeah, but definitely like I want to get more into the tourism space in the next 15, 20 years as well. Um, and so I was thinking about that a lot when I was in Egypt actually like retreats well i'm gonna start with my retreat in puerto rico um free your spirit manifesting your essence through self-expression so look out for that guys like in the next year or so um but no after that yeah i definitely like you know uh i thought sand like when i I went sandboarding in Mm -hmm. egypt and i mean that's like when you stand up like it's like snowboarding but you're on sand right it's literally snowboarding on sand yeah Except the mechanics is like, you know, I lost a fucking toenail because you're doing it. (laughs) Oh, my God. I don't know (laughs) if we just had a really bad tour guide or if there just needs to be the like there. I just saw a whole sandboarding Mecca in in this place in Egypt that I need to make because like after every run down the mountain, we had to hike back up the mountain. It's like (laughs) there's ATVs on the bottom of the fucking mountain to take us back up so we can clear our time. You know, anyways, so yeah, there's psychedelics will always, if you said, especially if you set an intention for your trip, like, Mm, Hey, that's so important. I want to learn more about this, or I want to explore this thing more Mm -hmm. than you will, you know? So incredible. That's so important too. So where can people find you? Where do you hang out? What's the best place to, I know this answer, but just tell the people where they can find you. Um, I hang out in the Milky Way solar system, <laughs> uh, planet Earth. Um, and my at on Instagram is Senora Directora. My at on TikTok is Mama Pangea because I realize everybody on TikTok needs to have a niche. So my niche on TikTok is my travel lifestyle. Love it. Yes. And stories and is like where you really out. hang out. My stories? Yeah. Instagram stories oh. is where like you get the oh. real deal. You get the real deal on my Instagram stories. Um, that is true. I'm trying to make more of my stories go on my TikTok though. So they're like more longevity. You know what I mean? Nice. Good move. Yeah. And then YouTube as well. Subscribe to my YouTube, Senior Directora. You get all the BTS there. I'm coming out with a travel show. So lots so of good exciting. stuff. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for so much for hanging out all the way in Poland. I wish I could hug you. We need to plan a trip. Let's get it on the books. I love you, baby. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining. Bye, mama. Bye.
Every week we have a reoccurring segment and I share my favorite things, tangible products to use and things to walk away with above and beyond the inspiring conversations we're having. So that my think piece this week rebellious in my rebellious perspective. I'm going to quote one of my favorite rappers and writers of all time, Russ. It's all in your head. This comes from his book, Delusion. It will give you faith when there's absolutely nothing in your present life that indicates you should believe. Persistence. It will provide strength to keep going. And gratitude. It will allow you to appreciate everything you already have and generate positive energy. Another quote of his, he says, it's balance. Success and manifestations takes delusional amount of self-belief while also maintaining the need and want to get better. Comparing your newest shit to your previous is the only person you should be trying to beat. Read. This is a book that Rox and I both share like top five books you have to read in your lifetime, at least once, at least 10 times. I've probably read it 10 times. It's The Alchemist. If you have not already read it, please go and grab this book. It's a rite of passage in your spiritual awakening. Paulo Coelho's enchanting novel about a shepherd boy from Spain on a pilgrimage to Egypt is a fable about following your dreams. When I read it at 16, it was like opening a portal. And when I reread it every few years, it has the same impact that it did the day I read it. So go grab those links in the show notes and stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks for listening. Make sure you like, subscribe and tag us on Instagram.